0: Cross Politic begins in three, two, one.
1: I I'm a heart that breaks for
2: a dying city. Stop cursing your future. <laughs> it is not true. For all intents and purposes, I am a woman. Government and no political system has ultimate supremacy. Jesus is King of Kings, and it's about time our nation returned in humble submission to his Lordship. You are not protecting women, you are authorizing the destruction of 500,000 little women every year. I didn't uh, start uh, it. Sir, sir, with all due respect, that's the
3: argument of a five-year-old. I
4: didn't start it. When the spirit comes upon people, they go to war. They go to battle, and the enemies of God are driven back, and they're slaughtered.
2: You are listening to Cross Politic with Gabe Resch, the water boy. Master Toby Sumter, and the Chocolate Knox.
1: Hello! Wow. Welcome.
2: Up? Thank you. Thank you.
1: Oh, wow. All those rowdy Christians out there. I see y'all. Yeah. Wow.
2: This is Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. We're coming at you live, pre-recorded, from Lebanon, Tennessee, and uh, at our conference. This is our third conference within uh, 9 8 well 12 months basically third conference within a year and it's great to be with you guys thank you for coming appreciate it
1: i just i just want to point out that all these people came out to a christian conference on the politics of sex that mm-hmm. the yes, also sir. bold folks
2: <laughs> of course we got chalk knocks pastor wilson i'm the water boy Vody bacham who's who's on mill and pastor toby <laughs> pastor toby what
1: no way are you serious
2: I found that out in my SWAT talk with him. Really?
1: (laughs) He's wrong, right? Okay, he's shaking his head. No, Gabe, I think you're wrong on that one.
0: They're just trying to find the right combination of guests that will get them arrested.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Gabe got arrested once. He wants to get us all arrested is what he's trying to do. Can I get sound in these monitors? I can't quite hear my people.
2: Just a little louder. Test, test. Hey, there you are. Okay. Okay. Well, so we have, like, as Knox already pointed out, we've gathered here to talk about the politics of sex, Um, and one of the reasons why we wanted to uh, do a conference on this topic is because typically, normally, when people talk about, when the church talks about this issue, they're largely referring to the action and not so much the metaphysics of what's going on on who we are made in the image of God and what the politics of sex is and how it's shaking out in our culture, what it really means. I think unbelievers get politics of sex better than us they tend to understand the power of language in relationship to sex they understand the power of laws in relationship to sex they understand the politics of it far better than than we have and we've been getting played on this issue for decades and so doing a conference on the politics of sex you know we um had vody talk about critical sex theory um was that a, was that a first for that one yeah,
5: yeah, that was that was definitely that was, a first. That was good. And yeah. hey, how'd it go? Yeah, it, was, it was definitely a first. <laughs>
4: <Yeah>. <laughs> is, is that, is that going to make it into like one of the regular like rotations, like one of the votey, You know,
5: yeah, maybe maybe not the title.
2: Oh, yeah, but maybe. <laughs> Jay, can you work on that, Jay? Where's Jay? <laughs> maybe you should do a, a an, an additional chapter to your book, um, Fault Lines, yeah, Critical crit- Sex, critical theory. sex yeah. theory.
5: Yeah, yeah I, actually, that, that that's going to be a follow-up okay there yeah. we go you heard we'll it here first you yeah.
2: yes Woo! and um, and I think uh, one of the reasons why we assign Vody this topic is because uh, there really is a, a critical sex theory that is based on critical theory so Marx and Freud have drastically hugely influenced our view of, of sex in our culture um, you know when we, when you look at uh, the the power play, that critical re- theory, critical race theory, critical sex theory, the power, the whole idea behind critical theory, it's based on power and material. Power, power-hungry structures. Mate, we're all material. We're all just chemical, chemical reactions. Well, well if, we're,
4: if if materialism is right, if Darwin is right, that's all we are. And it's, so it's inescapable. An and and therefore the only thing that that, that really matters is force. Power, because everything is a is a is a force, is a power play. Everything is just might triumphing over you know the the strongest survive. That's all that there is, and then just apply that to sex, and, that, and that's all you have. You have this power plays, but can you just? Re- what are the ways you're seeing that that is even infiltrating into the way Christians are thinking about marriage and sex?
5: Yeah, I, I think this sort of rise of E- egalitarianism, um, and when I say the rise of egalitarianism, I mean there, Egalitarianism has been around for a long time. Um, really, um, you know, sixties and seventies is when you r- really see that sort of come to the to the forefront in theological circles. But what I mean is, in recent years, we've seen a rise in egalitarianism among people who were complementarians. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 Um, Now you've you've seen that sort of sort of come about. And I I think that's that that's one of the ways. And unfortunately, that's one of the least troublesome ways that we're seeing this, because we also are seeing the sort of uh, living out revoice uh, gay Christian, you know, ideology that's coming up as well, um, which is really embracing the idea that, you know, experience equals truth, right? Um, and so you have my experience and my truth and, you know what I mean, that kind of whole idea behind sexual identity.
4: And, and just, to, just to connect dots, I, maybe you all are connecting them, but one of the ways egalitarianism then is the working out of this is frequently you hear this, you know, this refrain, we need to have more female voices, Right. They're a minority. They're an oppressed class. That's the assumption behind that. And since they're an oppressed minority, we have to have female voices. And so you'll have even complementarian churches on paper saying, well, we have women in the elder meetings.
2: They aren't elders. They're just in the meetings. Yeah, not yeah. technically,
4: yeah. you know, yet, right? Or we, we need to have more female representatives up at front on church, you know, on, on the worship service, so that women don't feel disenfranchised. Pastor Wilson addressed this last night. But that is Marxism. That is critical theory working its way into churches that may, on paper, still be technically complementarian. Um, the same thing with the revoice stuff. That's that's Freud. Freud says your most essential identity is basically your sexual urges. Yeah. And, and so somebody says, well, I'll, for as long as I can remember, I've been attracted, you know, I'm a man, I've been attracted to other men, that must, you know, I'm, I'm a believer, I'm a Christian, whatever, and I'm not acting on these impulses, but that's who I am fundamentally. No, it's not. But that's, that's Freud and Marx at work in those two examples
2: you just gave. Can, now, can, I, can I, think...
1: I push back just a little bit? <laughs> Oh, would you?
2: No. Look, Bodie's no. looking
1: like. Bodie <laughs> <Vot, laughs> pa- 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 like, knows where this is going. Pass is like, I'm your pastor. No, you, you're doing fine. You just worry about the stinger thing over there. Uh, first of all, I want to know why are y'all separating the brothers on the stage? I can't sit next to Bodie.
2: We're we're all brothers.
1: Okay, I see. Okay. Oh, stop it! Oh, yeah. stop it! Don't do that. Don't help, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to ask, there's a question that you asked, though, in that, Pastor, which is um, people are trying to answer the question, how then do we speak for people who aren't represented? Because I think a lot of people, But you stop looking at me like that, like you're going to get me. <laughs> there are people who are saying, yes, okay, sure, that's Freud, that's Marx, but there's a group of people that have probably, uh, that feel like they haven't been represented properly. And so while we're not trying to be Freud, not, while we're not trying to be Marxist, we're still trying to fix the problem of how do you represent people?
4: Ask their husbands. Okay. I think that's illegal to say.
1: <laughs> You're trying to get arrested. <laughs> no.
0: A federal headship means that daughters are represented by their fathers. Wives are represented by their husbands. Mm. That's representation. Covenant. What, cov- it's covenant representation. So if you if you say, I want women as a class and men as a class to be represented by a woman, then what you're saying is, this is the Marxist uh, theory of history, which is it's all about oppression, there is the designated oppressed class and the designated oppressor class, and then we're going to select a spokesperson from this class, and it will be a designated victim. right? Because if you're a woman who, who says, well, okay, I'm a member of this oppressed class, so-called, but I don't feel oppressed, so can I be the spokesman? No. <laughs> you failed the audition because we're going we're to find someone who represents the grievance that we have assigned to that class. If you want representation, you should be represented by your dad. If you want representation, you should be represented by your husband. And, and because
2: representation is inescapable. That's what I was yeah. going to say.
4: Yeah, covenant is inescapable. Everybody is practicing covenant theology. The question is: Is are we going to practice God's covenant theology, or are we going are we going to accept Marx's and Freud's covenant theology? Because you still have a representative. They, 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 it's a designated representative. And notice that it has to be a victim. Why? Because Christ died for us. So ever since Christ died, He became our federal head. He is the new covenant head. And, and nobody is original. In God's world, they're all parasitic off God's world and God's truth. And so they have their own gospel. They've got a, a, another victim, another lamb who was slain, and it's this woman who is a victim. I got, go, I got I go ahead. No,
5: no to your, your point, uh, Doug, the idea that it has to be someone who identifies himself as oppressed, I think, you know, Amy Coney Barrett was the latest example of that, right? Right. There's a woman who's coming onto the Supreme Court, but she didn't count. Um, Just like there's a black man on the Supreme Court who who doesn't count.
1: Oh, no, that's right. And they don't
5: count because their ideology, uh, because of their ideology, they don't see themselves as victim, um, and they don't present themselves as victim. Um, And because of that, they're just being completely you know, disqualified, and it's really, they're being dehumanized.
0: They're Marxist
1: heretics.
0: Yeah. They've... Yeah.
1: Mm. So Um, then, before you go, I want to push a little further onto you, Pastor. What happens, though, when my dad or whoever is over me is not representing me rightly, and I don't like the representation, or I don't feel like I'm being represented properly? How does that process work?
0: So we live in a... Not only do we live in a covenantal covenantal world, we live in a fallen world, And that means sin gets to covenant heads. So there are dads who've done appalling things. There are husbands who've done appalling things. And that's why in this fallen world, you cannot have any human government that is absolute. All right, Human governments have genuine authority, but not absolute authority. So the civil government has true authority, but it's not absolute. Family government has true authority, but it's not absolute. Church government has true authority, but it's not absolute. absolute. So, when your husband is mistreating you in some awful way, right. you need to call the elders. Right? My wife and I have dealt with situations where we wish, we wish the, the wife had been an Abigail standing up to a Nabal a lot sooner than she did. Because in a Christian world, there is, there's a system of appeals. Mm. You can, you can, there are situations where you should call the cops because the civil magistrate should be involved. There are situations where you should call the elders, because the church needs to be involved.
4: And that's covenantal. Even that's, when, that's... You're, when you're appealing to the higher level,
2: you're still being covenantal. You're appealing to the authorities that God's put there for you. So uh, I, I've noticed that we haven't really used complementarian language here at this conference. Um, it was a Christian conference. Right? <laughs> Bars! <laughs> and... I was going to say we reject that kind of language. <laughs> you beat me to it. Um, and But I also understand kind of the attraction to that language. We complete each other. We're complementary. We compl- we, um,
1: compliment? Compliment. Yes. Oh, okay. my goodness. Wow.
2: And and so the Christian church has kind of defaulted in some sense to that language, but it but it seems like it's been a backdoor way to egalitarianism and feminism, and it hasn't held up well in the last 10 years.
0: Because we want language that will appease our accusers, and it will not work. They will not be appeased. And so what happens is if you start off with a, with a soft-sounding word that's not hard-edged like patriarchal, and you say, well, complementarian, and we value the equality and the full dignity, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> At the end of the, your spiel, you're still a hater. And so then you think you have to throw something else to, because you're an appeaser now. So, complementarian, uh, the position technically is the correct biblical position. There's
2: a truth there. There's a real there, truth. There.
0: It's a real truth. If you read the complementarian materials, it's uh, biblically grounded, but it's biblical theology with a PR consultant.
2: <laughs> Ooh.
1: You gonna give him anything for you, that? Give bars I, I, you or something? Know, I, I'm dripology. How oh, it's was trying to come out. I'm playing him, but you know, come on, Sam, work with me. Keep his eye. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying not to bust him out. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to be like Jesus, but I didn't have that much. Hit it faith. again. I Hit just... it
2: again. Let's get that out there. Keep like that. People. Keep that iPad on. <laughs> so I want to ask.
4: One of the things driving Marx, in particular, was uh, so-called concern for justice. So there's this oppression. There's this, you know, and in his case, it's all materialistic, so it's all power plays, and then he and he says there's this ruling class, there's the oppressed classes, and there needs to be revolution in order to restore justice. Now, it's completely bonkers, and now that's been applied to different classes, sex, race, whatever, and now, and that's that's what the their view of justice, critical theory justice, is um, revolution. We need to take the ruling classes, whatever those may be considered, and they need to be brought down, and they love, this is their word, is they want to empower, empower those minority voices, empower the oppressed classes, and that's a thoroughly Marxist term, and the, and the point of it is to, they need, that, that's their version of justice. Their version of justice is give them the voice, give them the microphone, you be quiet. You listen, you sit down, you let them stand up, and in their minds, they're bringing a certain kind of equilibrium to an otherwise uh, violent and oppressive world. Okay? That's their version of justice. You wrote a book, I think, about how that's bad. Is that right? That is correct. Okay, good. I just want to make sure. And um, what is the Christian answer to that? When when you have... So we're talking about appeals... Pastor Wilson just said, you know, if, if you have an abusive husband, an abusive father, and, and Bodie's over here listening to a number of other people you didn't hear, mayors, police officers, arresting people, singing psalms. We had to bring it up at
2: least once. Um, I'm from Texas. <laughs> <laughs> they arrested him because he was singing off key. <laughs> Who is that guy? I can hear him. Oh, it's gay. It's that guy.
4: The deaf guy. So... They hear the appeal, you appeal, and, you know, because you've got a corrupt authority over you, you're trying to be thoroughly covenantal, and there's one answer coming from the social justice, the critical theories, the Marxist, saying we need to get more people, you know, you need women on staff to help you elders deal with these women who are being mistreated. Uh, you're not qualified, even though you're a minister of the word of God, and um, You need more, whatever, uh, minorities, affirmative action, whatever it is. But what's the biblical answer? how How does the Bible teach us to answer these appeals for justice?
5: I think one of the big problems is the way we're defining injustice. And injustice is being defined today not as a violation of the law of God, uh, or even a violation of the, the the civil law but injustice is being defined as disparate outcomes and and once that's your definition of injustice right and that's what you got to that's what you got to be aware of too when people start talking about justice when people start talking about you know racial justice for example what well, immediately what I want to know is what is racial injustice And the answer to the question from the critical social justice side is disparate outcomes, right? There's inequitable outcomes, not equality, but equity, right? Equality, equal before the law. Equity, we get equal outcomes, right? Um, And so I think one of the things we need to do is sort of back up and recognize that that's not injustice, right? Um, in a, for there
4: to be two different kinds of outcomes yes. for different people,
5: yeah, that's that's not injustice. And um, in, in, in fact, there's no place in the world, no time in the world, no area in the world um, where we find equal outcomes for anyone, right? I mean, it, you just you just don't because we're not we're not the same, right? We're equal, equal for the Lord, but we're not the same. That's why we had the Olympics. We don't have the Olympics because we believe that one day everybody in the 100 meter dash is going to finish exactly the same time. Right? They all that, broke the world record yeah. at the same time. Exact, I mean, unbelievable. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that
4: would be the death of the
5: Olympics. It would be <laughs> yeah, oh, it would be the, it would be the death of it would go, be man. the death of the Olympics. And that I mean that's the that's the that's the beauty of humanity and the diversity in humanity, right? There are groups of people who have different interests, you know. Um and so I think the 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 first thing that we have to do is we have to define injustice rightly um, and, so let's
4: let's take I mean I think one of the thing I don't know what you think about this but one of the ways in which I think Christians find themselves susceptible to the offers of these alien theories is frequently through guilt so so people come and they say this woman was mistreated this child was mistreated this person was mistreated Really bad. Real life. Real Whole, life examples. Like horrible, yeah. badly, a crime has occurred. Or at least really bad sin. Yeah. And Christians think, that's awful. I mean, we're, we're supposed to be tender hearted. We're supposed, to, when we see evil in the world, we're supposed to care.
5: And we, we want justice. And, and, then, right? and so yeah. then
4: they say, you need justice. And we say, yeah. And then they say, here. I've got this plan. It's in a box. Mark's in a box. What do we... What do we
2: offer in place of that? Anybody? Another way to get at this question is, how can we spend all the time talking about what the world's definition of justice is and not what the biblical definition of justice is? It seems like I I hear more about, and Christians uh, talk more about, how the world's defining justice and not how the church should be defining what justice is. there's
0: There's a lurking problem that goes back to the seeker-sensitive movement that articulated this and put it out on the table for the first time, and that is um, you, they want the church service Sunday morning to be an evangelistic service instead of a covenant service with God's people, God, God meeting with his people. And so consequently, they started to think of people walking in off the street as walk-ins, customers, and you want no prerequisites, and you want to make the sale for anybody coming in. And as soon as you've got that consumer marketing mentality, the customer is always right. Okay? So you want to start presenting in such a way that it's not off-putting to the person coming in off the street. But in biblical worship, it's true that the customer is always right. But in biblical worship, God is the customer. We are the ones coming before him, offering up worship to him, and we want our worship to be acceptable to him. So when someone comes in off this, the street and they've got a, a, ba- a, a baggage and they might misunderstand what you're doing, this leads to the next level. There are Christians who say not only do you have to cater to the person who was a victim according to this um, new victim theology, but you have to change your whole way of preaching in case an imaginary victim like this mm-hmm. comes in off the street. So we've mm-hmm. got to redo everything just in case someone comes in who had an abusive background or whatever. So you can't preach the Bible. You can't preach through Leviticus. You can't preach through Romans. You can't do this. I, I've heard of one situation where, and it's a complementarian sort of place, where the pastor has a committee, including women, sit down and review his sermon before he preaches it. So Is it's that Ed Litton?
1: <laughs>
5: <laughs> no, different, he has people who d- right. Not review.
1: (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Tripology.
0: So what we're doing is we're trying to... You've probably noticed this among sensitive Christians. We have this... We're always thinking of what someone might say in response. And we rush to make their case for them. Instead of saying, what's my... uh, My task as a preacher is to go on... My dad taught me, when you run out of things to say, go on to the next verse. You go on to the next verse... And you you need to preach what's there as though none of us in this room had ever been born. Our our concerns, our background, our baggage has nothing to do with what God revealed to man. We have to preach what's revealed, not preach what might fly.
1: I'm still trying to figure out why um, the appeal is so easy for Christians for Marx and Freud. You know, why, why is it that that kind of worldview is so easy for us to really gravitate to if we have such a biblical standard?
5: Because the overwhelming majority of us were educated in schools that were built on the ideologies of Marx and Freud. And so that's the language that we learn to speak. It's the worldview that is given to us in a government educational system that is anti-Christian by federal mandate.
1: <laughs> <He said. laughs> he so then so then how do you with the education and this is interesting with the education that's saturated in Marx and Freud how do you start to get that out of such an entrenched foundation of 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 what we're made of
0: H.L. Mencken I got uh, visited by the FBI for this but I'm gonna actually did H.L. <laughs> um, Mencken once said there's no problem with the government schools that couldn't be fixed by burning all the schools and hanging all the
2: teachers. <laughs> and then, uh, true story: the FBI came to his office over this quote that wasn't his. He quoted it. And, I quoted HLM. And unlike Ed Litton, he recognized that it wasn't so his, dip. and he quoted it. So the FBI agents came and they
0: wanted. That was a joke, right? And I said, "Yeah, that was a joke." Um, yeah. Okay. Thanks. Very good. And then, but but the point is hyperbole. The the government school system. Cannot be reformed. It, we we just have to, Christians have to get out. We just have to get out.
1: So then, so then getting out, we have a much longer trek and time before we can start engaging the very things that are pushing against us right now. So is there a both and approach to this? So it's getting out. Absolutely. Like we have to do that. Like my kids are out and yet I still have to deal with what's going on from the impacts of Marx and Freud and critical race theory. So, And, what's...
0: and you have to educate the kids that you got out. Right, right. right.
1: I'm, I'm to... doing that. I'm doing <laughs> that. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing
0: i did not say you weren't. Okay,
1: okay. I, I felt like it was personal. I was like, I am, Pastor. <laughs> I promise I am.
4: Man? Why are you getting all defensive? I'm just saying, you know. You all... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like
1: y'all put me over here, here? like I'm usually in the center. I'm in every, and then I'm all by myself. Uh, <laughs>
2: I've never seen you get defensive against you know, your pastor. I'm starting to
1: sweat now.
2: <laughs>
1: no, but where, where is our, what's the other? So that's that's one hit. What's the other? What's the left right on this?
5: No, well, we we also have to teach, right? We, we have to preach the gospel. We have to teach. We, we, we Disciple to take, the nations. Yeah, we have to take the Great Commission seriously. Um, and so th- this is an ongoing process of, you know, of of re-educating people and teaching again and again and again and teaching the whole counsel of God and not assuming that just because we, you know, turn off the spigot with the the negative stuff in a particular individual's life or particular family life, that somehow we've turned it off culture-wide or that everything is okay. So, you know, for example, you you know, you get get Israel out of Egypt, right, and that happened in a night. Right. But getting Egypt out of Israel took a generation. Right. You know.
1: Right.
4: So, so let's. So you're, you've got your kids out of government schools. You're homeschooling. them. You got them in a in a Christian school, and you're taking this seriously. You're discipling them. This is the you know this is the little nation in your home that you're discipling. You're you're fulfilling the Great Commission with, and they see on the evening news that Governor Cuomo of New York has been accused of. Uh, being, a, you know, I don't know, sexually uh, promiscuous, immoral. A hundred and sixty-five page report. One hundred, yeah. And uh,
1: did you even know about this? Because I know you were in, in Zambia. So did you know that happened? Oh yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. oh, oh that okay. made it over there. Oh yeah. Oh, okay.
2: <laughs> we call him Godfather Cuomo. Yeah. yeah. Um, so there's
4: your teaching moment. What do you what do you tell them? They, they, and you know, maybe they've got friends. Maybe they're seeing stuff on social media. You know, and how, how do you educate them? How do you great commission them? Disciple that nation.
2: Disciple your kids on how to Wait, think through this process.
0: The first thing you do is you apply and teach your kids to apply equal weights and measures. So the first thing I know when... Wait, where did you get that from? <laughs> throughout. <laughs> the unequal weights and measures are an abomination of the Lord, it says in Proverbs. So having your thumb on the scales whenever you're evaluating, whether... Um, whether it, you're doing the Marxist thing or you're doing the reverse uh, Red Pill thing, where anything that a liberal is accused of doing, he's automatically guilty because he's a liberal. Um, no, uh, Governor Cuomo may well have done everything he's accused of doing, but I don't know that, right? I don't know that. That's why you innocent. You, that, that's why, if there were to be a trial, if it were to come to trial, Cuomo should go into the courtroom. Presumed innocent, and the accusations have to be established by multiple witnesses, two and three witnesses. That applies to everybody. So I don't think of Cuomo as a member of a class when it comes to the accusations against him. He's not a member of a class. He's an individual accused of wrongdoing. So let's have a trial. Let's weigh the, weigh the evidence. Now, what you, want, what you want to avoid is the liberals have such a double standard on this is that they circle the wagons around any of theirs that are accused, and they go after Kavanaugh and, you know, whoever the the next conservative Supreme Court appointment is. We already know he's a child rapist, right? (laughs) Whoever it is. So they do that routinely, and we are sometimes tempted to think, well, sauce for the goose, sauce for the gander. When we're in control, we're going to do the same thing. No, when we're in control, we want fair play, justice for all. Right, justice for all, and that means that the tie goes to the accused. In biblical justice, you you don't you don't accept any uh, indictment does not equal conviction. And Governor Cuomo is indicted, and for all I know, it may well all be true. But that's not a conviction. So,
2: so how do you handle this when you're you're definitely suspicious of the activity, suspicious that, of the... that? That's the indictment, right? Uh-huh. Right.
0: You've you've got enough to bring a case. You've got enough to say there should be a trial. You don't just grab people off the street at random and give them a fair trial. There's got to be probable cause. There's got to be some sort of level that that gets them into a trial. But once they're in the trial, you should be, uh, you should conduct yourself when you're talking to the television in such a way that you could be selected for the jury and not be embarrassed. That's
2: right.
4: Right? In all the old pictures and Paintings and statues of Lady Justice. She's blindfolded. She's blindfolded, and she's got each something in each of her hands. In one hand, she's holding a set of scales, weights, and then in the other hand, she's got a sword. She's blindfolded. Her job is to just weigh it out, weigh it out, equal weights and measures.
2: Why is she blindfolded?
4: She's blindfolded because it, this goes back to Vody's point. It it's it it has. She sees, she doesn't see people. It doesn't matter if you're male, female, rich, poor, young, old, where you're from, what you look like, any of that. None of it matters. Justice is the same for all. Equal weights and measures across the board. And she's holding that sword because her job is to punish evildoers. And and so, and she's supposed to only do that on account of what's in the scales, not on account of what she
1: sees. So then looking at what... Just looking at Cuomo's case and Cuomo's situation, no justice was done then, right?
0: No, they were. he was um, no longer convenient or usable for the Democratic Party, so they wanted to get rid of him. So, they, no got, trial. so, so, so we, they ran the play on him, yeah, and it worked.
1: And so there's no justice that was done. So then as Christians, should we be saying, hey, have the trial? Because if there's women out there who have been abused, then they haven't gotten justice yet.
2: Correct. Just, just because he stepped down from office doesn't mean those women got justice right because what they were using is
0: this accusation and the legal courts as a tool to get him out of office and once he's out of office they can afford to leave him alone because they achieved their objective but that's not what the courts are for the courts are not for the removal of political opponents the courts are to deal with uh criminal activity Mm.
4: so what about in the church there's a, there's a political situation, but there's no shortage of accusations in the church of this sort of thing. Um, I'm not trying to pick on the SBC, but I know that a few years ago, uh, Beth Moore wrote a letter about how she had been treated as a woman.
2: Yeah. No names, no names. Not no mentioned no names,
4: names, but just said over the number of years she's been mistreated, that there are people make comments about her um, and so forth, um, and garnered a whole bunch of attention. You know, what? What is a, what should the church be doing with that? Are we just playing politics or is or is 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 that how you handle that sort of accusation are there any baptists up here
5: yeah yeah so i i think it's it's the same thing right um you know we have to have equal weights and measures um you know i was i was looking at you know before we started a couple of uh There's a couple of verses that that are just a few verses apart in Proverbs 18. Verse 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. And then in verse 17, the one who states his case first seems right until the other comes and examines him, right? Those are just a few verses apart there in Proverbs, and I think that's the kind of wisdom that we need to apply. Um, we we can't make assumptions, and we can't give um, we, we can't give special attention, special privilege, special credit um, you know to the the rich or to the poor. Justice doesn't do that to the male or to the female. Does, justice doesn't do that. Um, and so I, I think that the the problem is twofold. Number one is that we're not approaching this correctly in terms of the way we. You justice in these matters and evidence in these matters but number two is we're allowing these things to be tried in social media um public opinion yeah yeah which is just hugely
4: problematic you know
0: that's basically just mob justice
4: i mean if that's not justice
0: at all so the next aspect of this you use the example of beth moore saying all the comments and things she'd had to put up with over the years um Being a pastor, having seen and heard pretty much everything, you know, seen it all, um, if you try to persuade me that men are capable of being clods and boars in the presence of women, you wouldn't need to, you know, of course. How many sisters here have been within earshot of some guy being a clod or a boar, right? (laughs) (laughs) Can I get an amen? (laughs) Amen. But the point is that we have so, um, what's happened is someone can say, well, it was a toxic environment, and it represented a systemic problem. No, this guy is just a clod and a boar. He shouldn't talk like that. His mama should have taught him manners. Somebody should take him aside and say, you don't talk that way around a lady. You know, stop it, right? You have to have that sort of thing. But if someone comes on and says, well, it's a systemic, it was a toxic environment because people said things that hurt my feelings, well, you can't you can't have it both ways you can't say uh as the feminists say women should be able to go into the work workforce and work alongside men and be one of the guys and then have a violent allergic reaction when they continue to act like guys you you just can't do that you can't say you can't have it both ways you can't say i want to be one of the guys and i want to be treated like a lady i'd say well pick which one do you want right if you want to be treated like a lady, then let's go all the way back to the 1952. If if you don't want to be treated like a lady, what's your complaint? Now, if there's a criminal, you know, sexual harassment, overt uh, problem where you call the cops, then yeah, call the cops. But just because someone is being obnoxious in your presence, that's not a toxic environment. That's It's a fallen world. We have to deal with people like that all the time.
2: Um, you mentioned kind of rejecting kind of this... Notion of systemic, uh, you know, uh, environments, but then I can think of like Hollywood, you know, Harry Weinstein, um, where there is a there, there's a plethora of examples where Hollywood is complicit or involved in all this stuff.
0: Yeah, I'm not I'm not saying there's no such thing as a toxic environment. I'm just saying that just because something happened in a workplace that you didn't like, uh, that doesn't constitute a toxic environment uh the harvey weinstein business uh that sort of tolerated behavior over years and decades really was a toxic environment by all sorts of by uh, all kinds of objectors listers and everything uh, yeah it was it, it really was a problem but notice that nobody is people want to boycott the southern baptist convention and not hollywood right they don't say there's a systemic problem in hollywood well no they've they're they're justified
1: you said that if there's a sexual sin, all right, call the police. It seems like, though, to hold something over 30 years and to not say anything or for a long period of time, you're not exercising in the way that justice needs to be exercised because it seems like they're trying to call the police after 30 years.
0: Right. Which means that it's being hauled out now for political purposes, like in the Kavanaugh nomination. You, you haul something out that's decades old. This is a political accusation, which is why the Christian foundation of our common law system has things like term, uh, um, things like statute of limitations, right? Because people's memories fade, you need reliable witnesses. You need two and three reliable witnesses. Uh, we've got a whole system of law that we are in the process of jettisoning. We're in the process of throwing away because we have not understood biblical justice.
5: Why? And why do you think? Vodi, oh. go ahead. No, I was going to say an, another side of this is. Sometimes it was it was misunderstood. Um the Colorado Rockies game, you guys remember? Oh that yes, guy, Dinger. Where where the guys calling the Dinger the mascot, you know? Yep. And I mean that went around the world, right? Even to Zambia. It went even to Zambia, you know? I mean we need to find this guy and string him <laughs> up and the whole major league baseball you know, needs to be taken to the woodshed because this kind of thing is allowed in Major League Baseball. And, you know, there's a black player up to bat. For those of you who aren't aware, there's a black player up to bat. The the mascot's name is Dinger. There's a guy behind home plate who's calling the mascot. So he's not even looking at the player. He's calling the mascot because he wants a picture. And he's going, Dinger! Dinger! And the guys who are calling the game on television – basically say you know that's just disgusting you know that there's you know this the kind of thing happening in the and so it, it gets worse right after you know everybody figures out that that's not exactly what happened um the player suggested that maybe they need to change the name of the mascot oh wow yeah like it, it can't just be oh sorry that was really an overreaction you know we're looking for racist under every rock you know in arguably the least racist country in the world by the way um, you know it could it couldn't be that it, it's just that we've got to find some way to make this fit the narrative so it's 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 not just this issue of you know whether or not it's a toxic, toxic environment based on you know that kind of testimony but it's also do we know that that's what happened, or is this something that was assumed to be something that it wasn't?
1: One of the things that, as I've been studying and spending time inside of God's law and biblical justice, there's a certain responsibility that I have assumed as a father to make sure that my children know, what you call it, statutory limit? But there's, there's a point in time where it is extremely important for you to cry aloud. Say something immediately. Don't wait. You won't be in trouble. Daddy will come for you. Believe nothing. This is what God requires. So that I'm teaching my kids God's standard there in the moment so that there is no, well, what happened 20 years ago? What are you talking about? And so there's another part that as a father, I want to assume the responsibility of teaching my kids all of God's law, all of God's standards. So when they find themselves in that moment, they're doing the things that allow us to actually uh, mitigate justice in that moment and i felt a lot of times we're, we're missing out on this, on teaching our kids that we need to tell them hey in this moment this is how you need to act just like it, everybody is so concerned about teaching and, and i'm going to because there's certain situations i'm worried about but i'm going to teach my kids listen when you get in front of a police officer you ain't cool you ain't in charge he is he thinks you did something wrong don't don't try and act hard just give your license and follow the rules now listen i hope if my kid acts out i hope the police officer knows in my community he's gonna have a harder problem dealing with me than he is, he gonna wish he was with you <laughs> okay he gonna wish he's with you but i want to teach so everybody's concerned about well when my kid gets pulled over how am i going to teach have you trained them on god's standard and god's law so when they're in other situations too that you're concerned about how your kids react in that moment so that we're not finding out something 30 years later. And that is just as important as uh, what's happening 30 years... No, no, no. What happened in the moment?
4: Why you you mentioned, Doug, we're jettisoning our common law tradition, which is built on the law of God. Uh, You just referred to a law. You just referred to Proverbs um, on, on, you know, um, how you respond to accusations and hearing the other side of the story. And why um are we so jumpy about going to God's word and and and, I, and this sort of
5: because the assumption is that the oppressive nature of our society is a direct result of our reliance on the bible mm. and this is this is what i try to help people understand people who are following this critical social justice ideology. When you talk about the oppressor from the Marxist and neo Marxist ideology, yeah. when you talk about in the American system, the oppressor is not just white people, but it's it, it's white, male, heterosexual, cisgendered, able bodied, neighbour, you know, native born. And when you get down the list, it's Christian. Um and, and even even in the literature, it, you know, even in even in um, you know, the Critical pedagogy and, and think you know, pedagogy of the oppressed, and you know uh, the stuff that's used to train teachers, and 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 Christianity is seen as a hegemonic power, and hegemonic power is the source of oppression, and so one of the reasons that we're running away from going to the Bible and quoting the Bible is because the Bible in this environment is seen as the
4: source of the oppression.
0: So I understand which.
4: I was going to say, I understand non-Christians doing that. But why are Christians so jumpy about going
5: to the Bible? Because they're trying to respond in a way that's, you know, secret sensitive, as they're Doug said. Trying, they're trying right? to appease. Yeah, they're trying they, to They don't want to you, make yeah.
0: the person mad because they're trying to evangelize. Best case scenario, they want to evangelize them. Worst case scenario, they're afraid. So that's the, the problem. But you're exactly right because... Uh, in this system, this Marxist system of oppressor, oppressed class, the Bible is the root of the problem, according to Marxist theory. If Where did all this patriarchal white supremacy come from? Well, it comes from the Bible, which means that if you have black men like these two gentlemen here who believe the Bible and are not ashamed of anything in it, they are lumped in with the white supremacy. It's like Larry Elder. Like Larry Elder is... So people have actually said that male heterosexual black men are the white people of black people. Okay? Follow
2: that.
0: because, (laughs) Because white is not a biological term. It's an accusation. And it's an accusation ultimately against Scripture and against God. But we are the ones who are actually gifted with being able to be colorblind because the scriptures are for every tongue, every, the gospel is for every language, every nation, every tongue under heaven. Um, the gospel is to every, for every creature.
2: Um, isn't there like an element of unbelief to this? Where Christians just um, don't believe in the full power of God's word? Yes. The, the, that's
0: why they want to evangelize the person with some, with scripture and something else. Scripture and their own politeness, their own niceness. Or, in the worst-case scenario, they're afraid. They're afraid that the Bible's a shield that won't protect them. That they, they're afraid of the accuser, so they don't think the Bible will uh, protect them, or they don't think the Bible's sufficient for reaching out to this person to evangelize them. I
4: want to ask you something, Doug, about uh, something you wrote last week. Uh, there was this glorious or very inglorious picture of Pete Buttigieg and his gay whatever. On a hospital bed, I
0: don't get the hospital bed. What? (laughs) Who who needed it? (laughs) Who needed the hospital? Why were a couple of male homosexuals holding babies sitting on a hospital bed? (laughs) Who birthed that baby?
1: (laughs) We in trouble.
4: (laughs) My uh, my question was: You noted in this post that a gentleman named Boschivijin liked this post. He happens to be the founding board member of a Christian ministry called Grace, which stands for something, I think. But it's uh, a ministry that's uh, supposedly a Christian ministry trying to help Christians sort through sexual abuse accusations. Um, And you seem to think that him liking this post might be an indication that he doesn't know what
0: he's doing. Uh, (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) he, he doesn't he I don't think he's really clear about what side he's on uh, because he is he's abandoned biblical standards of justice he hears about an incident across the country and he already knows what side he's on so if you if someone gives you a story problem uh, Smith accuses Jones of fill in the blank XYZ and I'm not going to tell you what color Smith is or what color Jones is or what sex smith is or what sex jones is and i want you to tell me what you think of it and you say i can't tell you until i know the categories right a policeman shoots an unarmed teenager who's white and who's black lady justice says i don't care i don't care who's white and who's black but if you need to know the color before you know what side you're on then you're a hack and a partisan you're you're not interested in biblical justice
2: Um, so, Vody, you're president of the Southern Baptist Presbytery, and I mean convention.
4: <laughs> <laughs> just it's hard to
2: know if he does this <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> and and Beth Moore submits this letter to you. Um, how do you handle it?
5: Well, first of all, I'm I'm probably not going to handle it. I'm probably going to take it back. To the source because uh, I, I'm that's not my jurisdiction, and so I'm going to encourage that that goes to the proper jurisdiction, um, you know, to, to be handled. Um, you know, in Matthew 18, you don't immediately run to um, the, the denomination, right? Or the press, or, you know, or the press, yeah. Presbytery Uh, or the Presbytery, yeah. Say Russell Moore. Wait a minute, I I thought we were Baptist Presbytery. Okay,
1: all right,
5: yeah. Uh, you know, you don't don't immediately run there, that's not how you handle things, right? That's out of order. And so, I'm gonna encourage that you handle that in the way that it's supposed to be handled.
2: Let me press this a little further. Then, um, you're a pastor of a local church and you get a letter like that from someone in your congregation. Um, how you know, what do you do with it? What action do you take? How do you, you know, begin to kind of sort through the, the, the situation that's been presented
5: by again trying to find out i want to hear right i, I don't i don't want to make a judgment before i hear right talk and to I, everybody and i don't i don't want to assume that you know this person is is right even though their story may sound credible again i want to do proverbs 18:13 i want to do proverbs 18:17 um, and and, and I, I want to hear these things. I, w- I want to know and hearing what the it, facts are.
4: That doesn't mean hearing people that have heard about it or heard about it from someone else who heard about it right? or read something about it. Right. That's not testimony. Right. Eyewitnesses. Right. People who who actually can tell you the truth
0: about what happened. Right. Not only so, in local local churches, also this happens in schools where someone with a complaint comes into the headmaster or comes into the pastor and says this is what my uh, this is my experience I don't like this and this happened and this happened and there's a whole lot of other people that feel the same way I do which is sort of a secret ballot that they've conducted and a wise pastor is going to say great let's have them all in let's talk to them all I want their names well I'm not at liberty to share their names well then I'm not li- at liberty to talk to you goodbye yeah have a, have a nice
1: day. You know, one of the things that I've been doing is if you, I have to take this down all the way to the house. When something happens in my home and one of my kids come rumming in and, and they're like, hey, Johnny, hit me in the eye. It's like, Johnny, why you hit your sister in the eye? If I'm doing that, then there's no way I can handle the Beth Moore case. Right. Right. Like, if I, if I, don't, if I don't say, hold on one second. All right, sweetheart, let me make sure your eyes okay. Hey, John, what happened? Carl, did you see what happened? Tommy. Did this happen? No, she fell off the bike. And through that, I can say, oh, this is actually what happened. And if Johnny did hit her in the eye, he might be missing half of his hind. But <laughs> I can't – if we're not practicing this in our very local home levels to exercise biblical justice there in our own homes, the government that we have authority over, we're not going to be able to speak to those cases. And
0: when you adjudicate things like that in the backyard that way, not only are you doing justice with your kids – You're teaching your kids how to adjudicate things. You're you're teaching them what justice is like. Now, sometimes, inescapably, in the hurly-burly of life, you will sometimes spank the wrong one, right? Oops. But if you're doing your job as a parent, that would be their fault. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and and
5: you can always just credit it to something that they didn't get it for.
0: (laughs) But one time, some friends of ours... There was uh, one of the sisters dumped some vegetables on the – didn't want to eat the vegetables, dumped them on the floor. And the parent came to the, her sister, who hadn't done it, and said, did you dump those on the floor? And she said, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the, the parents are excused when they get the wrong one under that case. But otherwise, you hold you hold a trial. You say – And,
4: again, back to the point you made earlier is uh, – the, the tie uh, goes to the accused, even, even mm. within your family, in, in your kids. If that's there are good. no witnesses, if there's no evidence, you can't convict them. Don't do injustice.
5: And, and when the facts come out and the accuser lied, oh, yeah. then they're disciplined. Yes. And that's another thing that we're not seeing, right? Yes. We're seeing a lot of people making accusations that are proven false and then nothing happens to them.
4: Look at a book deal. You know?
5: yeah. Oh, right.
4: They get on Oprah.
1: Uh, see, that's what I was asking earlier about with Cuomo. It's like, hold on. His name is still in the balance. Or these women haven't had justice. And so no, there's no justice there. We we can't leave this unsettled. Something has to happen. His name is never, oh, well, it just goes away. His name needs to get vindicated that he was innocent. or they and, and they need to get punished for lying. Or he needs to get the rightful punishment for what he did. Correct. Thank now, you. I Appreciate that, Pass. I feel a little better now.
2: <laughs> Thank you. You're better now. You cool? You cool? I do. I'm good. Really, now, co- really correct. <laughs> uh, now we're gonna open up for Q and A here in about I, five, ten I, minutes. I, I wanna ask um, one more question. Uh, yeah, I was gonna. Uh, okay. Was gonna, okay. okay. We, don't, we don't. All right. You want to do it. I wanna ask a question. I was, gonna, I was gonna turn it. If you can turn it. Ask. Him. Okay. Go ahead. Turn it. Turn it. Five ten minutes. Turn it.
4: He's always trying to run everything. You know, it's like, I mean, what he, what he gonna? He thinks he's from Texas or something. Yeah, yeah he's Water Boy, right? What happened to that? Pastor Doug, you wrote um, a really helpful article. I think a couple weeks ago now, called "Don't Take the Bait." I did. Um, some of them read it, I think. Yeah. If you haven't read it, please do go read it.
1: Yes, please read it right it, now. Um, it's, it's, it, really, it
4: really was. It was very, very important, and in particular, it applied to our political situation where we are with all the COVID lock, you know, regulations and everything else. And um, and the exhortation was. Uh, basically, perhaps, if there's any kind of concerted incompetence going on uh, at all, it is trying to get conservatives uh, to take one of these moments and in frustration and anger blow up and and maybe do a real January 6th sort of thing, such that the left could then understandably, defendably say, well, we really are going to have to send the troops in and lock everything down because look at this violence erupting in our streets. Of course, it's completely hypocritical. They didn't do with the BLM riots. They didn't do with, you know, all the rest of it. But nevertheless, if we gave them the, you know, if we <laughs> walked, you know, walked through the, the um, Capitol building and, and a few people got kind of rowdy and they used that to scream and light their hair on fire, they're going to use, any, you know, anything else that remotely looks like that um, I want you to reiterate that, but also maybe think a little bit more broadly in terms of some of these social justice and sexual injustice issues as well. It seems to me that the left is busy running this play maybe across several fronts, and the exhortation needs to be to us, don't take the bait. The, the tranny stuff, uh, the, the little kids being given hormone therapy, um, you yeah. know, this horrible stuff, wicked stuff, And it seems that there's a similar exhortation that needs to be given across the board. How do you be righteously indignant about wickedness and injustice without taking
0: the bait? What we want to do is have the Christian church learn what it means to flow in a channel. We want the hydraulic power is uh, fluid uh, mechanics in, in a constrained hose. And you, uh, heavy uh, equipment can lift all all sorts of things because it's constrained. Um, well, what happened on January sixth is a bunch of upset, irate people stormed the Capitol like sheep without a shepherd. And if you storm the Capitol like sheep without a shepherd, you're going to lose. They're they're going to roll your socks down. They're going to pull your shirt over your head, and you are you're just not helping. You're, you're and if you are fit to be tied and you're you feel yourself building up to a rage, what you want to do is find a channel to flow in. All right, what, what can I do that's constructive, that is actually going to make a difference, and that is not something that can be turned against us? And I would say, worship God, number one. Worship God, love your, love your wife, respect your husband, pour yourself into your kids. All right, worship God on a regular basis, methodical basis, Uh, pour yourself into your family, and pray for your country. Just give yourself to that. And when God raises up the right standard-bearer, which he does multiple times throughout redemptive history, everybody knows now is the time to rally to Gideon. Now is the time to gather here and there. And and pro tip, don't rally to the guy in a buffalo hat. So, what did you, what did you mean by "don't take the bait"? What I meant is that there, there, are things. There are things like the uh, the horrible evacuation of Afghanistan, the mishandled, the uh, Biden just um, putting down this latest vaccine mandate, the things that are being imposed on our uh, servicemen. Um, you know, vaccine mandates, that sort of thing that will be tempted to get conservatives who see I've lost my country in the last two years I've lost my country. Where did it, where did it go? and then they want to punch something they want to just do something and it's that first impulse is probably not going to be helpful. so so what you want to do Shoot. is constrain it, pray about it, hold it in and pray for God's timing. Don't take the bait, wait till the wait until God's uh, deliverance arrives. And and it and we will know when that happens. We will know.
1: Vodi, as we were thinking about this too, I was thinking about how are we how do you see us taking the bait in that same way as it relates to the, the social justice movement and critical race theory right now?
5: Yeah, I I I I don't know. I think there are a number of um, reactions happening out there, and some of them are just. Kind of, you know, overreactions, which I would, you know, put into this category. Any, anytime you're, sort of, anytime you're overreacting, um, anytime you're um, not being careful with the way you're approaching things, right? Um, you know, for example, uh, calling everything critical race theory, right? You know right, right. W- w- whether it is or not. You know that's right. ah, critical race theory. Well, actually, no, it's not. It's they changed the schedule at the pool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <Critical race laughs> theory. yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so I, I think I think that's that's one of the ways um, that it's happening. That's one of the ways that people are taking debate. I, I think another way that it's happening is instead of people engaging with you know their churches, their ministry, their you know their their family members or whatever. They're just basically saying, oh, I heard that person say racial justice, I'm gone, right? Right. Um, Instead of, um, you know, saying the church is so important, my my relationships are so important that I am going to, number one, make sure that I understand what we're dealing with here, and number two, make sure that I've exhausted, you know, every means that I have at
4: my disposal um you're saying do justice yes yes <laughs> you know actually
5: yes.
2: do justice yes. even as you're investigating absolutely. what's really going
4: on
5: absolutely you know so i think that's one day one way people are, are taking the bait
2: mm. you know okay so we got uh jesse sumter over here uh ian where's ian ian it's over there too. okay over there well, ian wants to get on this side jesse on this side and if you guys just want to uh line up behind jesse and line up behind even ian on this side and Love to field your questions. Uh, we got about, I think, about 15 minutes here. 20 minutes of questions. You ready? Hi. Oh, I would uh, love to hear how you would respond to churches and/or Christians who are saying that same-sex attraction is perfectly fine. It's not a sin.
0: It is a sin. Bars. And I would add, I would just turn the question around and say, is attraction to underage girls and boys a sin? Is it is attraction to minor children, is that a sin? Because as a pastor, I've had to deal with people with same-sex attractions. I've had to deal with people who have attractions to underage kids. Or or animals. Beast- yeah, I've, yeah, I've dealt with that one. And so... Uh, when when you've dealt with that sort of thing is is the desire to do that sort of thing take the revoice logic and apply just keep dropping the age 13 years old 12 years old your daughter your niece is the attraction toward that person a sin
4: part of the and part of the th- the lie underlying this is a freudian lie it's that you are your sexual urges and there's nothing you can do about it but proverbs says to guard your heart with all diligence because out of it flows um, all of the issues of life, right? Um, And so we're commanded to rule our affections. We're commanded to rule our attractions. We are responsible to do that.
5: Yeah, you've heard it said, you know, not, not commit adultery, right? You shall not commit adultery, but I say anyone who's looked at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery with her already, right? So Jesus sort of directly obliterates that one.
2: Yeah. Uh, Ian. In relation to the, um, the fact that we have, when it becomes apparent, head of state, the head of state or a uh, man sitting in the governor's office of the people, um, an oath-breaker of the Constitution, and and a liar, and and arrived there by very suspicious means, let's just say, um, does the church have a place for imprecatory psalm-praying, imp- imprecations? What is the place for that when that becomes apparent that we have an enemy of God sitting in the highest office in the land?
0: I think prayers of imprecation have been appropriate, ever, explicitly appropriate ever since Roe. So when Roe v. Wade came down, uh, we have every right in the church to be praying that God would either turn their hearts in repentance or bring them down, that, that break their teeth, do whatever it takes to fix this problem. And then because otherwise it's just going to continue to compound. I think so in prayers of imprecation, psalms of imprecation have been appropriate, I think, for decades now. First of all, thank
4: you men for being men of God and being joyful encouragers during this time where uh, truth is so hard to find. So I'm going to be greedy and ask for more. Um, Considering our God as a God of Gideon and others that were mentioned, as we think about um, how things look so lost, and yet that's when he steps up and works so uh, powerfully through his people. Could you just consider that and uh, expand on that for us and encourage us some more?
0: Things have been every bit as bad as this in, in covenant history hundreds of times. Right? This is God's MO. This is what God does. All the way through the book of Judges. All the way through the Old Testament. All the way through church history. This has happened over and over and over. On the Mount of the Lord, it will be provided. Um, Abraham is about to slay his son, and God delivers him at the last moment. I think I would urge you all to get in the Bible reading challenge and notice as you read Genesis to Revelation that God loves cliffhangers. So we should learn to love them too.
4: Howdy, gentlemen. Well, I have a question. Uh, We have learned about how important it is to sanctify ourselves, our marriage, our homes, our churches, and even our economy. Uh, But I see see a particular issue getting in the way that we haven't touched on yet this conference. How do you suggest we as Christians deal with an atomized, isolated Christian diaspora in America? Uh, It seems like the most prosperous, resilient body is one with neighborhoods of Christians living near each other. So is the solution for everyone to just move to each other? Uh, What other things can we do to combat the suburban atomizing effect of our culture? I think um, one one of the reasons we started this conference is actually for that very purpose. I hope that you all have been meeting people maybe even meeting people who live in your own city that you didn't know before this conference. I think later tonight we're going to set the states out on the tables or something like that. And that's not assigned seating. We are just have um, sheets with all the 50 states out um, and Zambia. <laughs> and if anyone else is from Zambia, come ke- um, the, uh But no, but the point of that is not assigned seating. The point of it is actually for you to meet people from your state. And, and so I agree completely with you. It's been a problem. I think one of the, the, the plays of the devil has been, I mean, we've had, it, we've had it easy in this country in so many ways. God's blessed us in so many ways. And so it's been easy for us to spread out and do our thing. And I think one of the things that God is doing with this whole shakedown is, is, is requiring a number of people to make strategic retreats. Uh, strategic retreats maybe in work and business, uh, maybe in in location where they live, maybe even in the churches they're in, whatever, I don't know, but it's not. It's a strategic retreat, not a complete retreat. It's a retreat to a high ground that can be defended. At, at one of the places the devil has been, I think, to separate us, to, to atomize us uh, in many ways, and so we don't know, uh, you know, since we're Christians, we have better things to do than politics. Right? Politics isn't our God. It's not our religion. And so... We get this game run on us because we're, we're divided and we're separated. But I do think God's shaking it up so that some of us have to change jobs and start new companies and hire more Christians. And hiring Christians means providing salaries for them so that they can buy houses and you're going to have other Christians that are involved in building houses and real estate. And yes, I do think we should be thinking geographically. You should be thinking about neighborhoods and cities. And I don't think we should do it in a straight jacket, let's plan it all out sort of way. But I think I think in an informal, just loving Christ, loving his kingdom, loving the church, we should be thinking about building Christian community. And that means practically starting businesses, buying houses. I said in one of the session earlier with, with Andrew uh, that, you know, uh, he, he was talking about if you're going to sell a business, he said, I don't think Christians should sell their businesses anymore if they can help it. Um, or if you're going to sell it, find some Christian investors who want to buy it. Um, And I chimed in and said, I would suggest the same thing with your houses and your property. If you're going to move and you're going to sell, offer it to Christians first. See if a brother or sister can use it for their business, for their house, for their inheritance. Um, And again, it's not a straitjacket rule, but I think we should be thinking that way, absolutely.
2: First off, thank you for your ministries and to the volunteers and the speakers. This conference has been awesome.
3: And uh, just want
2: us, everyone to know that we're very grateful. Anyway, my question has to be with uh, the Bible speaks of God's peoples being sojourners and exiles in this world. So how does that fit to a church that is faithful in terms of its public witness to you know, either civil magistrates, the public square, fighting abortion, building education, uh, institutions building Christian businesses having uh try to extend the blessings of god 's kingdom on this world i 've often heard uh, in the past eighteen months especially that sojourners and exiles were not supposed to do any of those things but the focus just primarily on getting souls to heaven. Thank you
0: Abraham was a sojourner in uh, the land of Canaan and he built altars he raised armies he went to war he did all sorts of things by faith um, because although he was a pilgrim and a sojourner, that did not uh, turn him into a Gnostic who said, uh, this world is not my home, I'm just passing through. So the sojourner ethic is something we, we all are going to die, everybody's going to die, and that means we can't be too attached to the things we have down here. We have to be willing to let go of all of it and go to God we're sojourners. We're pilgrims. But how we can jump from that fact, undeniable fact, to, and therefore I shouldn't fight for the unborn or I shouldn't stand for uh, justice or I shouldn't uh, preach the gospel, it just doesn't follow. All right? Yes, we are sojourners, so we should have a pilgrim sojourner ethic, which I think is fully consistent with a, uh, a thoughtful post-mill eschatology. <laughs>
1: okay. can, I, can I borrow bad voting for a minute?
0: Bad, bad, voting. Sure,
1: because he hadn't shown up very much. Yep. you know, you um, jet
5: lag, man, jet lag. <laughs> jet lag. Zambia, I get it. Bad voting's <laughs> in bed.
1: I, I, want to, I want to, <laughs> I want to take and piggyback on that. People, I, I come from that kind of culture that would say that, that would say we're sojourners, and just to be very honest, we've gotten the story wrong. We got the whole story wrong. When God made Adam, He told him to take what was in the garden and to go make the rest of the world like this. Adam was to take Eve and to beautify the rest of the world with what God had planted in the garden. And so that means everything, God's standard, how the world was supposed to operate, the rules that God used to make the garden, those rules applied to the rest of the world. And some, thank you. And somehow, I don't know how we get that we can separate ourselves from the story of the beginning when Christ came to restore the very thing that Adam lost in the garden. Okay, I'm done. I'm done with bad voting. (laughs)
0: That was pretty good for bad voting.
1: Thank you. (laughs) I'm working on it. He's jet lagged.
4: (laughs) i was just piggyback on that too. Just point out that I pointed this out before, but um, in a few of the places where Abraham built altars during his sojourning are the exact places where significant strategic battles were won by Joshua during the conquest. And so you should be thinking about your sojourn here while you go and gather with with God's people on the Lord's Day to worship, when you worship with your family around the dinner table, when Mm -hmm. you celebrate God's goodness, you should be thinking that you're building altars like Abraham did in this land, in this place that Jesus bought with his blood, because the saints are going to inherit it all. Because Jesus bought
2: it all, amen. amen, amen,
1: amen. Okay, one
2: more question, and we got to wrap up. Vody's got to get out of here at four o'clock for his flight, so we got to do a hard, hard four o'clock.
3: Hi. Uh, first, I wanted to thank y'all for your putting this on and all of your very encouraging <sighs> um, programming. Um, my question had to do with the. Experimental vaccines, and all my study has found um, that HEK-293 and PER.6C are infant, aborted infant cells used in all of the vaccines currently on the market. And everything I've found, they are from elective abortions from several decades ago. I wanted to know what y'all say um, to that with the (sighs) the choosing to get it based on our conscience. And can we really do so in good conscience if they've been using those aborted infant cells?
2: I, when I, I talked to Dr. Jay Bhattacharya from S- Stanford, and he told me specifically that the Johnson & Johnson vaccine was made with abortificance. abortificance abortif- what's that word? It's cells. What? It's a cell line. It's not a cell, cell, cell line, excuse me. Um, and so that was the Johnson & Johnson vaccine where he confirmed that. He said the mRNA vaccines were not made with it, um, and now it's possible that they might have done some testing with cell lines, aborted cell lines, um, but they were uh, the mRNA vaccines. No, they're not, all they're all mRNA. But you're talking about the no, other two kinds. There's there's one of the vaccines is not mRNA. Okay. And he he made that distinction. Okay. But he said the mRNA vaccines were not made with aborted cell lines.
0: On the uh, on the principle, there's an article on my blog. I think it's called the ethical challenge, or uh, challenge of unethical vaccines, something like that. You can just find it in the search bar that goes through the theology of the whole thing. And uh, though it's not—it's more, more than problematic. Christians should object and kick and resist at that point. Secondly, uh, uh, the CREC has drafted a statement of conscience, an exemption statement of conscience um, against mandatory vaccinations. And we've been supplying uh, letters. Uh, our church has been supplying letters on the basis of our denomination statement uh, to different people uh, uh, defending a religious exemption from the vaccine. And that men- it mentions the abortion issue in that statement. Toby's doing been mo- doing most of the letters. And we've had some
2: uh, successes. Okay, we got to get Thank Vody out of here. So we've got a hard 4 o'clock stop. Um, uh, Toby, stay right where you're at. Toby's gonna come up and do a, a final exhortation, and then we're gonna sing some songs, and then we're gonna eat. So, um, please give voting Please give our, audience, you're, our you're, panel not, here. you're not looking not knocks in the show. I was show. gonna say,
1: you know, you know, we we're do. Doing, if you're okay. single, we're doing a show. get married. If you're married, have kids. And if you have kids, close your ears, Vody. Go, Go baptize, baptize them. them. <laughs> Until next conference, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Go fight. Laugh and feast. This is Cross Politics. Thank Amen. you, guys. Hi, I'm Robert Borton, CEO of Classical Conversations. Our most precious commodity is time. No one has ever lied on their deathbed, wishing they had spent more time making money. They all wish they had spent more time creating a legacy. Our modern education system steals that legacy, steals that time from our children. That's why I'm passionate about homeschooling. That's why at Classical Conversations, we want to give you more time to create that
3: legacy, follow your passions, and glorify God. Visit classicalconversations.com for